Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Parent Teacher Conference, a podcast about popular and enduring topics in education from the perspectives of parents, teachers, educators, uh, and students. And this is produced and hosted by teachers at St. Andrews Episcopal School in Ridgeland, Mississippi. And in today's episode, we have with us uh, Raymond Wong, a 12th grader, uh, Tangela Chambers, sorry about that, who is a parent to a senior and a sophomore. Uh And then we have Miss Dawn Denham, who is a senior English teacher here. Uh, I would love if y'all could go around and just give a little bit of background about yourselves, maybe, you know, how you're involved at the school, what uh, y'all, y'all do within the community itself. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess I'll start. Um, my name is Raymond Huang. Um, I'm, as Ms. Bray said, I'm a senior, and I am a Chinese born American, so my parents are Chinese, but I was born in America. Um, At the school, I am the prefect of the Global Studies Committee and also a co-president of the Asian Student Union. Um, uh, I I like having discussions about uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, I want to see improvements, and um, I want to leave this place better than I came here, Uh, well, better than it was when I came here. Mm -hmm. And I am Tangela Chambers. Uh, I have a 12th grader and 10th grader. Uh, I am also the SAPA upper school coordinator. Um, Last year I was co-coordinator and then I'm also a 12th grade uh, senior parent. And we have been at St. Andrews for five years. Um, I'm Dawn Denham. I'm a new teacher to St. Andrews. My first semester, um, you can tell probably from my my lack of a southern accent that I'm not from the south. I'm born and raised in the mid-Atlantic and live, I would say, the last 20, 25 years in the northeast. Um, I'm a career teacher. I started teaching almost 30 years ago, and uh, I have been teaching an anti-racist social justice pedagogy for about 25 of those years. And um, This semester, I am teaching senior seminars, um, AP English, Southern, American Southern literature, and uh, plays across the centuries. Awesome. Well, for those tuning in, uh, if you hopefully have picked up on some uh, common threads with our guest, and this is the upper school edition, so we are focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I just, you know, to get us started, I would love to you know, have y'all go around and just, you know, explain what that means to you and why those things are important. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'll start. Uh, t- for me, um, diversity, equity, in- and inclusion basically means that everybody is accepted. Everybody is allowed to identify um, as who they are and they're respected and they're accepted. Um, And that's so important because, you know, if you can't identify with your true self, then you're not living a fulfilled life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that, you know, I'm glad that we're having this moment to talk about it. And St. Andrews does a great job, by the way, of making sure, you know, that everyone feels included. Um, But we've got to create these spaces mm-hmm. where everyone feels welcome, everyone feels comfortable. It, you know, it's a hard subject. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an uncomfortable topic. Um, and so it's very, very important to me that we create these spaces where kids are allowed to come together, to hear one another, to share their stories, to really dig deep and get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And so that's what diversity, uh, um, equity, and inclusion means for me. Um, yeah, sure. I'll go next. Um, I really like what you said about like sharing each other's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the most important things about inclusion um, and equity is that not only should maybe this community be diverse in terms of the kinds of people we have, uh, all types of people, that we respect each other's backgrounds and each other's stories, and we listen when people are 
you know, telling you a story about themselves that's really important to them and that you recognize how important it is and you um, kind of ascribe importance to that as well. Um, and only then can I feel like that kind of inclusion is uh, achieved, is that never do you kind of <clears throat> undermine the story of somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for underrepresented groups, like respect it and listen um, and take it to heart and reflect on it mm-hmm. and then change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the idea, so I'm a writer as well as I'm teaching literature and writing and so we're storytellers. So in, in, through the lens of a teacher, of being a teacher, um, these words to me mean fair and um, and total representation. So inclusion is the materials that you bring, the um, the secondary readings, the questions asked. That that everything is the goal, or you're aiming to include all. Mm-hmm. So that even though you may recognize, I think you were sort of getting at this, Raymond. You might recognize that. We have diversity in the classroom, meaning we have peoples from multiple backgrounds, et cetera, in the classroom. That's one rendition or definition of diversity. But to be truly inclusive means that all are reflected and represented. Uh Uh So as a teacher, that's the first thing I think of. And then there's also this line that I got from an AP instructor I met this summer, um, equality is everybody gets a pair of shoes. Uh Equity is everybody gets shoes that fit. Mm. Mm. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, through what y'all just, you know, wonderful uh, insights, um, that common theme of, you know, how can DEI efforts change the narrative, you know, as we're talking about, you know, as, as Raymond said, like listening to stories and mm-hmm. caring about those stories, mm-hmm. how can we change that narrative and bringing people together in a positive way rather than cause division through blame or pointing fingers? I think it goes back to, um, what I said about creating a safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, because as Raymond said, everyone has, you know, individual stories. And um, you've got to be able to, you've got to be open-minded to actually hearing, you know, those stories, respecting those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and until there's a clear and um, honest effort to, to do that, um, we can't change the narrative yeah. until everybody is on the same page and willing to receive this information. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, it's 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 hard. It's it's not an easy subject. Um, but I'm encouraged by this generation because they tend to be more open-minded mm-hmm. um, than a lot of other generations are. Um, they tend to advocate more for themselves and for their fellow students. Um, and so we do have a lot of students that are willing to, you know, listen, learn, and go out into the community and spread that love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, in my opinion, communication is the key. Mm-hmm. I think um, I would, I'd like to follow that up and respond because I'm thinking about, I mean, the actual question, how can DEI efforts change the narrative? And my first thought was that we're writing the narrative, mm-hmm. and especially in a class, so it just so happens that I'm, I'm using the storytelling project, which is this idea of identifying different, the different stories a culture tells themselves, the stories we tell ourselves to make sense of things, but how they also are um, prohibitive of of understanding and growth, so that we have Mm -hmm. to break that open. So when I first read the question, I was thinking about how we're writing this story. I mean, every day in the classroom, you actually have the opportunity to rewrite the story. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want the narrative to be? Well, what is it actually Mm -hmm. right now in the moment? 
But I also want to say something about how the work, it doesn't just happen in the classroom. So you said change the narrative, bringing people together. Mm -hmm. And that actually bringing people together is a very recursive and very messy and very human process. And it will involve a lot of things that will challenge folks and will um, Uh bring up a lot of not just questions, but you know, lots of big feelings, as I say. Uh-huh. And so the thing about bringing together, I actually think it's a good sign where first there's unrest, hmm. and then the bringing together can begin to happen through, as you said, Tanjal, you have to listen, like uh-huh. really hear the stories, uh-huh. those stories being told. You said the same thing, Raymond, those stories being told in class, the stories mm-hmm. you're reading in the texts. But outside of that moment in a classroom construct, what else has to go on? What else uh-huh. has to happen for that for that um, true understanding of, say, inclusion or diversity? And I think where I'm sitting today is that you know we just all have to remember that it also is challenging. It's messy, uh-huh. but that doesn't mean it's bad or wrong. Right. Mm. Right. What I like about the having the classroom be the place for all of this is because it's not optional at that point. <laughs> and I, I mean, right. I don't know any other way to it's say true. it, but it's, it's not optional at that point. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that, you know, you're actually doing and participating in in the classroom, um, those who may be a little hesitant to embrace it, you know, they're hearing things that they normally, you know, wouldn't hear mm-hmm. and it could change, you know, it could change their minds, it could change their hearts on how they receive. And what I, what, what I forgot to say that you just triggered, it, we don't know how much time this takes. It's not only messy, it's not only challenging, uh-huh. it's not only scary uh-huh. and exciting uh-huh. to open up your heart and your life and your mind and your intelligence and all of that, but it also, we have no idea how long it takes right. for any individual person to come to a whole new level of understanding herself in the world and how she's going to move forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, I can promise you that we can't guarantee it's going to happen in a nine-week or a 16-week oh, class. No. You know right. what I mean? Right. You only have them for a limited amount of time, and which is also right. why it's so important that you know these are things we practice at home exactly. as well. Exactly. Um, because it can't all be done here at school. Yeah, so. the, work, the work usually, you know, when it referring to like the work is always described as long and, uh-huh. and slow right. you know this uh-huh. is not for the faint of heart but you know as we're talking you know questions are, are popping up for me of you know when we're talking about you know helping to bring people in to listen to those stories I think a, a lot of times there's resistance to wanting to listen to those stories because uh-huh. they're worried uh, any individual might be worried, well, but what if I'm blamed? Uh-huh. Like, well, you know, how is this going to make me feel or think? And so they um, don't have that active listening component. What do you think are some, some positive encouragement or things that we can do to help bring in those that are maybe a little bit more resistant or um, coming from a place of fear or hurt from times when they thought they were listening? and. Uh-huh it wasn't received because we all come with our different, you know, uh-huh. backgrounds and experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering for those that um, are a little bit more, you know, standoffish when they hear, you know, phrases like DEI uh-huh. uh, and they think about inclusion and, and you know, equity uh-huh. and diversity. Um, how, what can we do to help bring in everyone so that they do listen actively and they are they also feel like they're inclusive included versus being accused yeah. or mm-hmm. like they have to defend themselves yeah. uh, and being yeah. open to just listening I, yeah i think that i mean this is the kind of thing especially for students that you might see a lot within a you know a teenager um especially in high school uh like in class, we have a lot of discussions about race, and that's a big component of it is that, uh, or in English class, I should say, Miss um, Denham's class, that um, people are often feel like they're scared to say things in case they might be labeled um, a bigot or, you know, 
or, or accused of, I mean, what you just said. And I think that while that, that fear is valid, if you approach it from an open mind and, and leave room for the possibility that your worldview might be in some way problematic, then mm-hmm. that like gives the ability to uh, allows for change to happen. Um, and I would also say that it, this kind of process requires a lot of introspection and and I personally feel that that introspection can only happen when you're alone, when you're mm-hmm. not with a, almost a mob, or a, a mob <laughs> is putting it in an extreme way, but yeah. with a group of people in an echo chamber where you're surrounded by people who have the same beliefs as you, then you really can't change. Mm-hmm. You have to be by yourself, take into account the, the things that you've heard or seen or listened to, and then look within yourself to see, well, what, what did I previously think? Why is what I'm hearing challenging that? And only then can you begin to change. Um, and of course, it can be very scary and to you know acknowledge those things within yourself. And that's why I, I think that there also needs to be a support system of adults mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. help you with it, and so that they know that you're there for them. There's no judgment, safe spaces, as we mentioned previously, where a student can be flawed Mm -hmm. because that's, I mean, of course, everyone is and and grow from that with the help from an adult, because usually it's incredibly scary Mm -hmm. and sometimes too difficult to do alone. Mm -hmm. So I just as a teacher, you know, I have this question of how how can we help communicate to students where those safe places are where where are the teachers that they know that they can go to because it may be a teacher that they don't have in a subject you know they might not know where those teachers are located so is there something that you think you know as an institution or as, you know, for each individual teacher that they could do to help let mm-hmm. students know, like, hey, this is a place where you can come talk. Yeah, um, I think that it's maybe particularly different in a, such a small school like St. Andrews where mm-hmm. word gets around well enough for you to know which teachers uh, would be accepting to that. Uh, I mean, for instance, like, I don't have you or have never had you as a teacher before, but, um, I'd consider like this space to be a safe space and for like you to be somebody that I can always go to if I need to do that work. And so um, maybe in a larger setting, adults and teachers alike putting themselves out there as somebody who like mm-hmm. you show that you care about this stuff and you want to help people maybe by participating in different organizations or or, or just, I mean, rumor travels fast, so um, mm-hmm. that's always one way. But like I said, you know, making um, making clear that that's something that you uphold, um, mm. and it will get around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also, um, it, I, I think it would help to. If we had some type, I mean, I know we have our DEI committee that's doing fabulous work, but if we had um, a group of faculty that was strictly for students who wanted to come in and talk about, mm-hmm. you know, diversity or any type of equity and inclusion issues, um, and if that was publicized, I think that would be a step in the right direction. Um, but just kind of going back to something Raymond said. You know, even if it's just one student walking up to this student and saying, hey, you know, I I see you, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, let's talk. Because a lot of students are not eager to talk in front of a group, Mm -hmm. you know. So Mm -hmm. even if almost kind of, I don't want to call it a buddy (laughs) system or whatever, but, you know, just that one individual student who can see somebody and reach out, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and then maybe that person would be open to, you know, more open communication and, um just a way to have somebody that you feel you can really talk to um, 
and it not go anywhere yeah. and you not feel judged, you know. Um, but I definitely think some type of um, faculty committee. And two, a lot of kids, they have relationships with, you know, teachers mm -hmm. you know like I my girls wouldn't think twice about coming <laughs> you know to <laughs> share with you anything that they're going through so I think a lot of kids probably already have that person in place and maybe just don't realize that the this particular subject is mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. you know that they can go and talk with them about so maybe mm -hmm. making that known it's almost like a uh, the word that comes to mind for me when you said that kind of system, uh, you said like a buddy system, and it is kind of like that, kind of a mentor or an advisor to a student. And of course we have an advisory s system, but that kind of you know forces a student to be paired with a certain advisor, and maybe that's not what they need. Uh, and to give those alternatives through, uh, I don't know, maybe publicizing it or just showing that these are mentors you can go to. and. Um, and I think one of the problems is that they're just too scared to, or mm -hmm. or they think that if other people found out, mm. that mm. it will look so negatively upon them. That, yeah. you know. I, I agree. I'm sorry for cutting in, but now that like fear and shame, mm -hmm. I think uh, plays a huge role and hindering block mm -hmm. in, in the work. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what, that's what happens when you were talking about people being uncomfortable or feeling mm -hmm. like they're either saying something wrong or being attacked or being accused, the word accused. Yeah. Really, that's all about fear. Mm -hmm. And especially when you've when you've never had the opportunity to look through this lens and to consider it and it and it really um, can feel shocking, right? Mm -hmm. And so you use the word shame as well, but I think first it's fear and then it's mm -hmm. shame. I'm worried what my friends will think about me. I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing, you know, that sort of thing. So I, for me, listening to all of you, it makes me think, you know, we're, we're, we circle back around to storytelling and that um, the more you can inch, you know, toward people sitting together and being more and more willing to show the person, you know, what the story is, and then everyone in the room to be listening. The more you can do that and honor the story, mm -hmm. that's the doorway, I think, to navigating what the troubles are. You know, it's supposed, it's like, instead of, it's like you're going through another door. Mm -hmm. Instead of putting the spotlight on the trouble itself, um, I mean, often these interactions that happen with between students where, you know, hurtful things are said and are done mm -hmm. is not generally about what's happening in the moment. It's it's something that started a long time ago or it's something that got learned a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And so taking another doorway instead of putting the spotlight on that thing in that mm -hmm. moment, you know, tell a story about a time when you felt like this before and just constantly you know going back to storytelling and then as a listener what's your responsibility what are you going to do as a listener and how is that going to keep moving your own thinking forward what you said about introspection was brilliant and just mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so as, as we talk about this kind of following up I'm going to kind of break it down um, for each of you give a little bit more direction for this but you know, what does that look like in a, in a classroom or school setting, like as a teacher and as a student? Uh, you know, Raymond, you know, have you experienced um, that whatever you think that it, it's supposed to look like or the ideal of what it's looked like? Like, have you been able to experience that in a classroom setting? And if so, like, what did that mean to you? How was that? Or... Um, What does it also meant like if you don't like the times that you haven't, you know, to also kind of communicate and help for, I think it's important to, to hear um, the other side of the coin of when DEI does not happen yes. in our spaces, what mm -hmm. that means individually mm -hmm. um, to be able to hear that. And so um, I'll let you kind of ponder on that as Don's also pondering on like, you know, being our teacher representative, how, how do we do those things mm -hmm. to create those spaces for our students? And then Ms. Chambers, you know, you as a mom, like, 
why is it important for your child to be able to see themselves in mm-hmm. every discipline mm-hmm. at school? Mm-hmm. I can start because, I don't know, it's just something that's recently, of course, been on my mind. Uh, I think that as a student, these conversations, you know, you don't find them in a chemistry class, um, but English is the best place mm-hmm. to have these discussions because inherently you talk about um, those really, you can, you have the ability to talk about those important issues. It's up to the teacher whether or not they select those um, texts to examine and discuss. And so this year with Miss um, Denham's AP English class, which I'm in right now, um, it is almost one of the first times, if not the first, that I feel, felt like a classroom environment was welcoming to a place where you can talk about any of your experiences, um, especially for marginalized groups, and then have it be brought to the table and accepted and then discussed and worked on. And because, and, and that goes for, you know, both marginalized groups and people who maybe are not as aware of some of the things that happen uh, around, even just around the school. Mm-hmm. Because, the, I mean, the first step to improving and changing is confronting it first and hearing about it and being exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it, it really is helping, at least for me as a person of color, um, to have my voice feel like it's heard because it's never felt that way before mm-hmm. um, at the school, personally. Um, like I can talk about it with my friends, but never in a classroom setting mm. has it really been something that I, I feel liberated to share. Um, and I mean, this isn't really necessarily to talk about how other classes haven't done that. Um, but I mean, of course there are classes that when, when a text is pretty obviously about something um, important that you can talk about. Uh, it's easier. It's either pushed to the side or brushed under the rug, um, and of course that that's very detrimental um, to a student's uh, or a marginalized student's development um, and their their feeling of safety in mm. a classroom environment. And I think that by uplifting the voices of people who are marginalized and underrepresented in a classroom, it's making it that kind of leveling the playing field for everyone. Um, Like Ms. Denham said, equity isn't necessarily, oh, everyone can talk. You all have the right to talk. It's making sure that everyone feels the same, like, opportunity. because for a lot of students I know, and personally myself, the forum for that has been very far and few between. Like, mm-hmm. there hasn't been much of a place for those discussions to happen. And so people might think that it's like prioritizing this kind of point of view or pushing this agenda, when really it's just leveling out that playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll just reference another <laughs> class that I feel like does it kind uh, pretty well is actually my Spanish class, we look at some, some pretty tough social issues. And I, and I think part of this comes from, it's an AP class that's focused on, you know, being really able to immerse yourself into the culture. Mm-hmm. And so along with culture comes like issues. We've talked about poverty and we've talked mm-hmm. about uh, abortion. And uh, that's probably one of the most wildfire topics that you can discuss, but you know, any any really important topic that's relevant to current events today, we can go and find news in Spanish uh, and talk about it in Spanish. And even that makes me feel more comfortable that there is work being done in a classroom and that you're giving students the, the, the motivation and just the resources to start that process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, um, 
it is extremely, 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 and I can't stress that enough, important for my children to see themselves in all aspects. Mm. Um, I can't tell you how much research that has actually been done, you know, that proves children of color who see themselves in all these different fields, um, they do better academically, they do better socially. Um, and so, you know, it just gives them something to, something tangible, mm -hmm. you know, to, 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 to visualize. Um, you know, prior to coming here, they saw that. Mm -hmm. um, since we've been here, there's, you know, not much. And that's kind of been, you know, something every year that I say, hey, we're going to hire anymore <laughs> yeah. people of color but um you know my husband and i we just have to make sure that they see they get it outside mm -hmm. um and i wish that you know the school did a better job of bringing uh faculty in um that are people of color but you know i just cannot and luckily my children have the opportunity, you know, to see people in all aspects. Mm -hmm. Not all children of color do, mm -hmm. you know, so that's something that our community struggles with um, all the time is finding, making sure that our children are exposed to all these positive role models and are able to see, you know, what they could, what they can be, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So I just don't, um, from the standpoint of here, I don't know how to to change that. Mm. Um, I don't know, other than speaking about it, mm -hmm. I don't know how we can bring in more um, faculty. Mm -hmm. um, well, and it's also the, the hurdle of we're in Mississippi. Yeah. Getting people to want to move here, to yeah. want to teach yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, bringing people, being able to find faculty from outside mm -hmm. of Mississippi mm -hmm. um, that are also, you know, people of color that mm -hmm. want to come to mm -hmm. Mississippi, Mississippi mm -hmm. <laughs> to teach. Like, that's kind of a, a big uh, hurdle that as a school in this state that I think we um, have to kind of fight against. Mm -hmm. How can we, you know, attract those individuals that mm -hmm. we want here mm -hmm. so that you know students can see themselves reflected not just in maybe the offerings or you know music that's played mm -hmm. or um you know plays or art or history mm -hmm. english and mm -hmm. science you know being able to see scientists right learn right. about scientists in right fields so that students can see themselves mm -hmm. um I, I think that is definitely a goal but definitely you know kind of a an uphill battle uphill of fighting battle. against it's a problem all across the country i yeah. mean it's not just happening in mississippi because oh, no. you know but it's harder here i mean there's already mm -hmm. um a need for teachers in the state anyway mm -hmm. and then on top of it the piece you're saying about attracting people from all over to come to mississippi but it's everywhere. I mean, I mm -hmm. taught in the Northeast for 20 years, and uh, I taught at University of New Hampshire for 14 years, and um, it was absolutely the same problem. The mm -hmm. faculty in the English department was almost lily white, so mm -hmm. it, it really is all over. Do mm -hmm. you think it's more so in the independent schools versus the the public schools? Um, you mean that the faculty mm -hmm. is? Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I suppose we could actually look at statistics of what it is, but I think that traditionally, if I'm still right about this, um, private high school is uh, it pays less than a lot of public schools, and of course that changes region by region mm -hmm. as well, and mm -hmm. the cost of living, et cetera. Um, so that might have something to do again with mm -hmm. um, the people interested in this context um, to build a career. Um, I mean, honestly, I think there are a lot of socioeconomic reasons why mm -hmm. people of color in the state of Mississippi don't become teachers. I mean, there are just so many factors. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, 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 are you asking me why we don't have more teachers of color? Is that what you're asking me? Yes. Just, just in general. Just in general. Socioeconom for the socioeconomic um, 
when you, I mean, this is kind of like unpacking systemic oppression. So mm -hmm. when you look at, for instance, education or the track of education for people of color in this country, and I don't know statistics, but how many people of color go through all, have the opportunity to mm -hmm. go through all the years of education to be, say, a professor at university, mm -hmm. or, I mean, here at this school, you have people with doctorates, right? So teaching in this context. So it's another system that's that's impacting mm -hmm. who ends up teaching mm -hmm. in a context. Mm -hmm. There's that. Um, you know, I don't. If the dominant, if the if the dominant ideology is that this is what's acceptable, white, high, upper, uh, highly educated people are going to teach in our universities. We as a country have not fix that yet yeah yeah mm -hmm. there's just so many ways that things that affect it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so having within it um, that there are you know as we look at you know the work that we're trying to do within the school mm -hmm. the greater aspects of you know um, as a nation that the consequences of that systemic racism and things that have been right. in place that mm -hmm. keep um, that there is not DEI across the board. There's not equity in, right. in it's, what's it's available. Opportunity. And yeah. that, that sort of leads me, if I can mm. go into my question, because yeah. that leads me right to it, is that my first answer, thinking about the questions you asked us, is really to, to be a teacher who is <clears throat> deliberately teaching in a, a, a curriculum of social justice mm. or through the lens of social justice. Um, you have to first start with yourself. You mm -hmm. cannot be mm -hmm. a teacher in the room or a leader or a mentor or a guide unless you are doing work on your own sense of who you are in the world and of injustices and systems of oppression, all of it. And so that maybe also is part of that question about yeah. you know educators. Mm -hmm. um, so, that's, so that's the first thing I'm thinking, is that you gotta do that work. And I just, for myself personally, I really stumbled into a systematic way of starting to study and look at race and class and gender. And it, that just happened personally in my life, and that led me down a path. But when I go back and I think about myself as a young person, there was always a sense of injustice and activism in me and of course, we don't know these things when we're in eighth grade and right. you're studying the Holocaust yeah. and mm -hmm. going home and weeping at the dinner table and freaking out because nobody told you about this before eighth grade mm. social studies, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But you know, somehow I, I, I reconnected as a young adult woman and then it just became part of my path as being, it, it, becoming a pedagogue, becoming a teacher. So I do really, really believe that um, through the lens of teaching, we first have to do our work and then there are so many ways you can, in an organized and deliberate way, bring pedagogical um, tools to any classroom to try to address that, that inequity. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we have so much research, for instance, on how many times a white teacher calls on a person of color in her class. You know what I mean? Just the uh -huh. awareness is opening up about how we as the leader in the room systematically um, organize the people in our room and how we respond to them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just have to be about race. It's about gender, too. Right. We have all this research about how girls are treated in mm -hmm. certain subjects uh -huh. and how boys are treated. So we have to begin you have to begin the work with yourself and yourself as a teacher then you can bring these things into the classroom like i mean raymond said this so much more eloquently than i am but you know we wrote guidelines together hmm. and then in ap because this is such an extraordinarily high level grouping of students the, the level at which they're thinking a couple of the people of color in the room including raymond they fixed a guideline that the rest of us did not thoroughly understand and see. Mm -hmm. Those moments, that's when you grow, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this guideline in place and we keep circling around to it. And one day when we happen to circle around to it just to revisit it 
at that point, they were ready to say, you know what, you missed something. Hmm. So, so just the act of building the guidelines is, is already moving our little, that circle forward. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. I'm using this pedagogy called the Storytelling Project and introduced it to them, to all of the classes as a pedagogical tool and I'm using a, you know, I'm showing them slides of things and it, it breaks down the construct of these four kinds of stories and all, everything I'm teaching, I'm couching as stories. You know, the other day I asked them to tell the story of their name or mm. when I needed to have a little lecture about late assignments, <laughs> I asked, let's all write about the story of our study process. I didn't even say like study habits or homework. I said, let's have a story about your, so I, by just deciding to frame what mm. you want to get done mm -hmm. in your room mm -hmm. through a lens, of, like in, for us, it's telling a story. It's creating a community, you know, around stories. So, I mean, anyway, as, as a teacher, um, the text that I choose. I had one memoir in mind for the AP class, for instance, and together as a class, they they heard me out as to why I wanted to change it. And they accepted the change, and we all decided to read a different book. And it was because the list was not thoroughly inclusive enough. Mm. And um, it was, and again, a wonderful moment where I got to figure that out on my own and then approach the class and say, hey, what do you think about this? Mm. So in the reading materials, right, are you, and I still haven't, at all in one course been able to achieve representing all, all people in all groups. Mm -hmm. but, but to be aware of it and to be thinking about it and then to be reaching for that, that's just another way in which as a teacher you can show up hmm. or uh, tangibly show up. Mm -hmm. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to make it different in here. I'm going to do something a little different to say this matters. Mm -hmm. This is where we all want to get to, so let's do it this way. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm trying to think about like, you know, just as a teacher, how is yeah. it that I'm, I don't know. You tell me, Raymond. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing in my class, Raymond? Well, I, I think it, you know, what, what I'm here is uh, as teachers, us being willing and accepting to like, lead by example to right. be uncomfortable mm -hmm. right uh, to oh, be yeah. to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and to right. be transparent to say you know what right. I, i'm not i'm probably going to mess this up and i'm probably going to make some mistakes right. but right. also giving the students that ownership and freedom to say please call me out on it right mm -hmm. like if i if i right we need to change something like please mm -hmm. tell me that's right and let's change it mm -hmm. and yeah. not feeling like if that happens that it's like oh you failed it's like nope i learned and we made it better. Mm -hmm. Right. And something else will happen and it'll right. get made better hopefully again. Mm -hmm. And that will hopefully continue to move yeah. forward. But if I'm not open to that, right. You know. And I'm, again, I think that's a that's a that's a byproduct of doing deliberately doing anti racism work with yourself. Mm -hmm. And we all know in this country that after, you know, it, it took the murder of George Floyd for the whole country to wake up in a way that I don't think we'd seen, uh, even though yes. many other people have been murdered, I don't think that we had seen that. And that really, it did wake a lot of people up. And so it brought to a lot of white people's attention in the country, hey, I need to figure some stuff out. I need to look mm. at some stuff. And so. That's where the work starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know why I brought that up. No, I mean, I, I, it must be the end of the school day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take it, at, you know, well, that, well, it, has, it has to start with us first. Right, right, right. right. Work, and people were start starting to, you know, they were asking, what books yeah. can I read and where can I go? And so, and again, I'm going to make the comment about time that you don't create this or fix it in a week or even in a mm -hmm. semester or a year. It's really a lifelong pursuit of mm -hmm. figuring out who am I going to be in my in this world that I live mm -hmm, in? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like the conveyor or like the belt in the, the, the running belt in the airport. You know, like it's always going and you can hop on anywhere, anytime mm -hmm. and get someplace else. You know, it just yeah. is always going. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, you're, 
you're everybody can hop on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface here, and I know, like, I want to, I want to keep going, but I also want to be respectful of just like the time, y'all's time for the afternoon. Our wonderful uh, recorder uh, for his time, uh, and then our listeners as well. Um, I, I just, I feel like we could, we could have another one of it and just keep going because uh, there's so many questions we still have that I would love to have answered. Um, but I think it's that important piece of, you know, no matter our roles that we mm-hmm. all have to be willing to be, as, as Raymond said, introspective, mm-hmm. to look inward mm-hmm. and to really ask some hard questions mm-hmm. and to, uh, as, as you said, you know, get uncomfortable. Right. You know, it's going to get uncomfortable. Also, being okay with, like, uncomfortableness and um, ambiguity yeah, and, I mean, and messing not, up and, exactly. and trying again not trying giving again. up That's just right. because you may run into something yeah and it's counter to so much of the way that we run education still in mm. this country it's not like learn this take a quiz and then leave it mm. behind mm-hmm. and it really mm. is an ongoing approach to edu- to studying to living to making art I mean it's an mm. ongoing mm-hmm. approach to, to how you're going to live and yeah, yeah. So to kind of close this out, I would love to just uh, ask this question of if you could suggest one small change in a classroom environment that would help promote more diversity and inclusion, what would it be? I would say um, take another look at the curriculum. Mm. And, you know, and I may be wrong when I say this, but is it 11th grade when the... Uh, social sciences and like the African literature and those courses come into play. Is it eleventh or twelfth? It's twelfth yeah, grade. Mm-hmm. See, stuff like that should be introduced right. way mm-hmm. sooner. Yeah, given that sooner. opportunity. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. something that, as that a school would be, we could do? That that would be the one thing that I would change mm-hmm. and get kids introduced and comfortable early on talking about um, these type of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I mean, we were just talking about teaching, and um, of course you can't, it's a small change. Um, So, you know, hiring more teachers of color is a pretty big process that there are so many different facets to it, but Mm -hmm. I do agree that the curriculum is one of the things, like last year I, I took a world religions class, and we got to a point, we were talking about Islam, and um, in the application of an American context, we started talking about the Nation of Islam with Malcolm X. Um, and it became it was discovered by the teacher that before that point, there had never been any real education about the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in America. And first of all, well, that's pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so she took a detour for a few days just to cover the civil rights movement. It had nothing to do with world religions, but felt it was important enough to, to you know, derail the curriculum just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the hardest things about curriculum, because this is something that I'm pretty sure administrators are aware of, um, that the curriculum is simply not diverse. Um, yeah, and, not. and the hardest thing is that AP classes have that set curriculum, mm-hmm. but English AP classes don't have a set curriculum in terms of the books that you read. So it could mm-hmm. really be anything you select as long as you teach it with the same kind of principles of that AP English class. Um, for history, it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, and so that, those kind of curriculum changes, and this stuff should start in middle school mm-hmm. because there are classes in middle school that I feel like, for instance, there was a global studies class that we took. And it talked about some pretty important things, but, like, why don't we learn about the civil rights movement in middle school? Mm -hmm. That should be something we go into high school knowing about. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, Martin Luther King Jr. is such a big figure, and we learn about him to a certain capacity, but never do we cover that entire movement, all the really Mm -hmm. important people. People only, students only recognize those big names, Rosa Parks. Um, Martin Luther King, um, et cetera, and don't really understand the movement itself. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, some of the curriculum changes where it's more flexible is in middle school. Mm. Um, and then if you're not as flexible in the upper school, at least 
get there already knowing about it. What was the question again? Oh, uh, if you could suggest one small change in a classroom environment. Sounds like you're making them all. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate that. What, what would you do to help promote diversity and uh, inclusion? What would I do? If, if you could suggest just one small, you know, for let's say there's a teacher listening right now and they're going, <laughs> but where do I start? What would be okay. something? A when, small thing that they could do. I'll just share a little and I do yeah. want to take seconds. When George Floyd died and all this flurrying was happening on the, the flurry of stuff on social media, I wrote on my Facebook post, um, I wrote something to the extent of my people, meaning my white people, because everybody mm. knows my Facebook friends know I'm white. So my white people. Locate somebody in your life who you love, who you trust, who's a little further along on, the, on this continuum. That was my conveyor belt mm. metaphor. A little further along than you are on this continuum. And just go talk to them and ask questions. Mm. And rely on somebody who's a little further along, whatever might be offered, just to open that up for you. And you know, don't go to a person of color and try to make that person of color make you feel better mm. and do that for mm. you. Yes. Go to, and that's why I said my people, mm. go find somebody who looks like you and who has lived like you, who's a little bit further along mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. say, let's talk about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you, I'm glad you brought that. Uh, thank you. To the surface. What an honor, thank um, you. I, Again, I just I can't thank y'all enough for, for being here and, and talking about an uncomfortable topic and that, that is hard at times and frustrating, mm -hmm. um, but is also so vital and important that really stems from um, and has its roots in identity. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, who are you? Mm -hmm. what, what makes up who you are mm -hmm. and being able to identify yourself within, you know, because this is uh, a school and we're doing this a school podcast and it's for <laughs> upper school you know you are uh these students and are going out into the world and it's important for them to be able to see themselves in the world absolutely as they find out and discover who they are mm -hmm. um so like i said I, I could just would love to continue this conversation um and, and, I, and I hope that it, it is the start of more conversations. Yeah, do yeah. one with all students next yeah. time. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for us to continue, you know, talking about this because that's that's part of it. Right. You you continue it. Mm -hmm. It's not a one and done. That's right. right. It exactly. is not a, a check mark. It exactly. is real change comes by continuing. That's right. Uh, forward. So I appreciate thank you y'all's time thank and you. being here thank and you. just thank you so much.